Hey everyone, welcome again to the Bat-Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series. Whew, we're almost done. I've got it down to a science. <laughs> We've got two episodes left before we sail off into the sunset of Batman the Animated Series. As always, my name is Clay McCormick and with me is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? Man, I, I have, it's been a great summer and I have not been driving my Datsun at all. Mm-hmm. And I realized the reason I don't drive it is because I'm afraid that it might be broken and I don't know it yet. Yep. So it, it basically is an expensive one-to-one scaled die-cast car in my garage <laughs> as I walk by it into my studio. Every morning I'm just like, all right. You're just, um, you're just go- stacking <laughs> stories that are completely unrelatable to anybody else listening to this show. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I'll make this quick. But uh, I, I I, don't know if I regret having this car because there's that saying, like, the more you own, the more that owns you. Mm-hmm. And that, that car fucking owns me. Like, I've had to take it back to Massachusetts, which is a two-hour drive, at least five times to get it fixed since I had it uh, built, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, you get to and, drive uh, it. That's a nice drive. <laughs> yeah, but when the, when the steering isn't working correctly and you're doing 70 on the highway... Uh, it's really scary. Yeah, you know that's true. Like that's I wish point. I could. It's weird. Like uh, I'm kind of all over the place here, but I actually trust my motorcycle more, and I feel safer on my bike than I do in my Datsun mm-hmm. because it's just so much horsepower. It's not power steering. It's it's like it's just too much basically. Um, but uh, anyway, no. Every time I get into it, I'm like <laughs> something new breaks, and recently, like it wouldn't start, and it was basically the ignition uh, cylinder was just. It was a quick two hundred dollar fix. But again, like oh, this fucking thing won't start. And then now, like I was going to take it out today and I'm like, no, if I take it out and something might happen to it, it might break. So if I don't drive it, then I know that my car is working 100%. Yeah. <laughs> but then months go by and I've got a car that probably works, uh, but I never drive it anymore. So it's like, <laughs> what's the I fucking think, point of this thing? I think that makes perfect sense. You can't break something you don't use, right? So ergo, <laughs> you have beat the system in this case. Yeah, I guess. I know that no one... Some, no, there's got to be car people. Someone who has like an old uh, object that's an antique and they're afraid to use it because they might break it. I don't know. <laughs> people have to... Because someone's got to be able to relate to this, right? I'm sure. I'm sure. There's lots of people in the world. <laughs> we are... Uh, we're doing two episodes of Batman <laughs> the Animated Series or, or uh, the new Batman Adventures, as it, as it was called at this point. We're yeah. doing uh, Legends of the Dark Knight and Girls' Night Out. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about Legends of the Dark Knight. The way I hear it, he isn't even human. He's like a giant pterodactyl beast with big fangs and talons. And when he sees a bad guy, he swoops down from the sky and carries him off. Scree! Scree! Reality check, Nick. Uh, uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, story by Robert Goodman and Bruce Timm, teleplayed by Robert Goodman, directed by Dan Reba. And in this one, a group of Gotham City youths tell their stories about what they believe the Dark Knight to be really like. This episode acknowledges the works of Bill Finger, Dick Sprang, and Frank Miller. Note, loosely based on the Batman Nobody Knows from Batman number 250 from July 1973 by Frank Robbins and Dick Dick Giorgiaggio. Dick Giordano. (laughs) My favorite designer. <laughs> yes. And contains a direct adaptation of part of the comic Batman The Dark Knight Returns. Um, now, you have been frothing at the crotch to talk about this episode. Frothing since... at the crotch. <laughs> you never heard that phrase? I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> you're, you're welcome, everybody. 
<laughs> yeah, you've been dying to talk about this episode for a while. So yes. uh, go go ahead, Clay. Uh, the, floor is, the floor is yours. I love this episode. This has long been probably my favorite episode of the series as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's so much fun. Uh, the the way that they do the different styles, they start off with a 1950s story and then they go into Dark Knight Returns. This is still the best adaptation of Dark Knight Returns that's ever been done. This is better than the, the, the full-length version that they did <laughs> a few years ago. I would agree. Um, yeah. And it's just the uh, the story overall I really like because it kind of encompasses everything about Batman that makes Batman fun, which is Batman can mean something different to everybody. There's some people who like the goofy Batman. There's some people who like the serious Batman, some people who like Batman in space. And this story kind of, I don't want to use the word explain because that puts too fine a point on it, but it it kind of, uh, it it kind of illustrates how all of those can be exist in the same, Batman can be all of those things at once. Um, Mm -hmm. because this story has two very different interpretations of Batman based on what these kids have heard. Uh, And then at the end, they actually see Batman, and seeing the real Batman only strengthens their opinion that they came to the story, uh, the beginning of the story with. None of them are like, oh, I guess that's, I guess we were wrong. They both come away thinking that their their version Mm -hmm. of Batman was correct. So I think it's a great... um, it's just a ton of fun. It has it has the feeling of like a late era, uh, a late career cover album kind of thing. You know, like when a band's been around for 25 years and they got to put another album out and they're like, you know what? Let's do an album of all the songs that we liked when we were kids. It's mm-hmm. got that kind of feel to it. Like this and the next one especially, you can kind of feel like they're rounding out the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think, it's, uh, I think it's a really fun episode that is, at, while seeming like it's kind of just a nothing episode is actually a really nice statement about Batman uh, uh, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with 90% of that, I think. All right, well, we'll I guess that's it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's too bad the Dark Knight cartoon wasn't better. Um, the, the full, Dark Knight Returns. The full length, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah, yeah like when, when, when they first were talking about doing that i'm like oh great just take that one section of that episode from batman the animated series and just make it bigger right yeah um uh, and i yeah it wasn't even close yeah it's i i mean obviously i don't want to go in on that too hard because uh, maybe we'll, we'll cover that someday but like it, it just mm. what this episode does so well is it is it and and this is something I, a problem i've kind of had with a lot of the feature adaptations they've been doing lately is they're picking these stories that are big, big time, you know, marquee stories like Dark Knight Returns or Batman Year One or Long Halloween or something like that. And mm. with those stories come a very specific visual look. Mm. And they don't really go out of their way to kind of make the cartoon look yeah. like the comic. Yeah. Whereas they this run it one, through the mill. Yeah. It just kind of looks like all the other ones they've been doing. But. But when they do it in this one, that is part of the point, is that they're mm-hmm. specifically trying to animate the 50s-style Batman or animate the Dark Knight Returns Batman. And I think, the, especially the Dark Knight Returns, uh, they nail it. Yeah. When I uh, first saw this as a kid, I was like five minutes late 
And I'm, so I'm watching while it's all animated in the Dick Sprang style. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Like, that guy's <laughs> eyes are flesh colored. Like, why does Joker sound weird? What is going on? Like, mm-hmm. it, it took, I had to, I mean, I was put, I was, it was so off putting to me. <laughs> I thought they had changed the whole style of the series uh without me knowing it and i was not thrilled and finally when it when it ended and i'm like oh okay it's like a bunch of different okay that makes a lot of sense but i have never not felt that disgust in my head every time i watched this episode just for that first part you know what i mean yeah yeah okay <laughs> i just am not a dick sprang style batman fan i i you know equated this with adam west when, back oh, sure. when I saw it as a sure. kid, because I didn't know any better. Well, they actually they they have a a, a nice uh, homage moment at the end of the episode, at the end of the, the vignette when Batman and Robin turn and shake hands with each other. It's almost identical to the uh, the the shot in the opening of the Batman sixty six, the the cartoon opening of Batman sixty six, where they yeah. Batman and Robin shake hands and then Batman morphs into the Batman symbol. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, yeah it's yeah. the that same the same era. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that. For some reason, I thought the Adam West Batman was the first time that the Batman was light and jovial. I totally forgot that Batman had that Batman had been light and jovial in the comics yeah. decades before Adam West and Burt Ward did it. You yeah, I mean? it was uh, it was a big change. If I'm if I can remember my comic books history, uh, yeah. it was due in large part to the creation of the Comics Code in the in the fifties. Okay. Um, after they took down EC Comics, what well, basically used it as an excuse to take down EC Comics, they created the uh, the Comics Code, right. which put a pretty strict guideline on, on what you could and couldn't show in comics or and on comic book covers and yeah. stuff. And so, yeah, right. Batman, which skews darker, they kind of adjusted, kind of swung it in the other direction and made it more kid friendly. Um, right. I guess they were kind of already in that zone because I know part of that thing was. That yeah. guy, uh, uh, that psychologist Frederick Wortham, who took the comic book companies to uh, to uh, put them on trial in front of Congress or whatever, had been yeah. had been arguing that Batman and Robin were promoting homosexuality or something. You know, the That's, same ridiculous arguments that people every time there's a new popular form yeah. of entertainment, yeah. someone comes up with with ways that it's destroying the the, the nation's yeah. youth, and it's always ridiculous. I would love to see that turned into a TV series on HBO directed by David Fincher. <laughs> you know, like uh, you got these, the the creators are doing their thing and suddenly it's, you know, the Red Scare is over. Well, now what do we have to do? Oh, I know. Let's go after these people who are poisoning our children's brains or right, whatever. Right. And you have like, it's just so nuts to me that the Senate can be like, hey, you citizen who's doing something we don't like. We demand you come here and talk to us and tell us everything. Uh, about what's going on then we'll decide if um, we're mad at you or not yeah you know yeah it just doesn't seem very democratic like it didn't that doesn't seem like what the founding fathers really wanted (laughs) yeah it seems like it happens every 10 years or so with whatever popular form of entertainment i mean the same thing happened in the 80s with heavy metal and uh that's how you got the parental advisory stickers on everything that you know you've got those famous videos of uh d snyder and john denver yeah. Both and Frank Zappa talking to uh, a Congress about why it's bullshit to censor music right. and stuff. It, or when um, uh, Lars goes up before Congress to complain about why Napster's bad and it's destroying everything. Is that the same kind of thing? Uh, 
the the other one is more of like a uh, protecting art and free speech okay. thing. Uh, the yeah. the Napster thing is more of a protecting my money kind of thing. <laughs> right. I mean, I from my understanding of law, which isn't great, <laughs> um, Marvel and DC could have said to the Senate committee, "Fuck off! We're not going to come sit before you." Like. We're going to keep making comics the way we're making them. And mm-hmm. if kids do and don't buy them, like, whatever. It's up to the parents to, uh, you know, monitor what the kids are reading. We don't have to come. Like, who's paying for our plane ticket? Who's paying for the hotel? Right. You want us to do this? Like, what What pressure did they really have? Like, I get back then, everyone was like, ooh, the government's mad at you. We all better do something. Which, today, I just don't think people would ever react that way, you mm-hmm. know? Well, I don't know exactly what they could or couldn't do, but I do know that... Uh, at least in the case of the parental advice in the music stuff in the eighties. Uh-huh. And I think possibly also with the Hayes code in the movies in like the thirties or whatever, I yeah. think it was, a, it was a case of we need to self regulate. Otherwise they're going to do it and they're going to destroy us. So, okay. um, and also when it comes to the comic books, Marvel and DC weren't really the the people who were um, mm. most affected right. by the change. EC Comics was yeah. the the highest selling books on the stands, and so DC and Marvel, I think, were kind of like, well, if we can self regulate this thing, we mm-hmm. can essentially put EC out of business because all of the things right. in the comics code just happen to be things they do in every issue of the books they put out. Right. I don't know if that's I, true. I, I remember that too. Now that you mention it, yeah, I don't know if they were yeah. actively colluding with each other, but I'm pretty sure that was like an understood byproduct of it. Was that yeah. there's no way EC is going to be able to survive this? Yeah, like what? I guess what? What could the government have done if we didn't put the comics code in there? I have no you know, idea. Like, uh, make it. You had to put a, a labels like ratings on movies, basically. Well, I mean that that's that's all self-imposed stuff. I mean in in England, I can tell you in England in the 80s, uh the National Censor Board was so powerful that they would arrest people who were selling videotapes that were on banned movie lists. So Oh wow. Yeah, the British censors as far as I know have have been at least used to be yeah. very intense. Um well, it was a whole thing in the 80s. Yeah, you know, in getting off topic more here, but the way the BBC is funded and the way that I mean, there is like government money sort of going into you entertainment. Just, you just so. don't want to talk about this episode, do you? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> but it is interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious, like, yeah, give me your yeah. best shot. Like, what the hell is the government really going to do here? And I didn't realize that the ratings on movies and video games was actually self-imposed. Either. I, that's, I, that's interesting. I believe it is. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. It's happened so many times that I can't really keep it all yeah. straight, but. That's right. my understanding. It's kind of like if we right. don't do this, then they're going to do it. So, uh, getting back to the episode, yeah. uh, what did you think of the Joel Schumacher gag? The, it took me when I was a kid. I did not get that joke at all. It was only <laughs> it was only later when I found the episode years years later yeah. when I was like, oh, I remember that episode. I want to find that, and I downloaded it off of something like Kazaa or whatever. Yeah. And I got to that point, and I was like, holy shit, they made a Joel Schumacher joke. Yeah, like not that long after Joel Schumacher did no, those movies. No, Batman either, and Robin you know? came out like the year before. <laughs> yeah, he didn't wait to start attacking. Yeah, people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, these three kids are wandering around at night, and then this one very effeminate kid with long hair, and he's slightly lispy and 
gay, mm. like 90s gay, like not politically correct gay, mm-hmm. is talking about how Batman wears rubber tights and, you know, <laughs> whatever. And they, this kid's like they basically around. They basically <laughs> go up to the line of him saying, I love the nipples on the Batsuit, basically. Yeah, basically. And they named the kid's names literally Joel. Yes, yeah. Yeah. As in Joel Schumacher, who you would say, you could argue ruined, back then at least, in the 1997 or 98, he did ruin Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's an interesting shot. Do you think it's, uh, do you think it's too much? Uh, I don't know if that ages well. Yeah. But I honestly am not above doing that shit myself, honestly. <laughs> because, you know, you're alone in a room all day, you're with your buddies at work, and you're just like, can't we, you know, I... I it's interesting when the creators so clearly leave their stamp on something personal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've been uh, listening to the audiobook of uh, uh, the history of Marvel Comics, yeah. and it is super fascinating. Um, it's a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And yeah. you would be shocked at how often they would do that stuff in comics to like, like a very, very thinly veiled degree. Like there are multiple mm-hmm. Jack Kirby uh comics like from the later years where the bad guys or whoever are like very thinly veiled versions of stan lee or whoever else wronged them or not just him like uh right any of the other creators in the 70s who were mad at their editors would just have a character (laughs) show up who is like just this asshole who looks exactly like their editor (laughs) i remember uh alex ross did a cover for i think it was robocop and uh, in the background, it was for Now Comics, which is oh, yeah. no longer a thing. Yeah. And he wrote, Now Comics Blows. But he wrote it <laughs> ri- wrote it backwards in like a crossword puzzle way in the background somewhere. Um, and I don't know if they ever caught it or not. Yeah. Well, it's like all the dicks you drew into Batman to see if your editors were paying attention. <laughs> oh, man. I, learned my, I actually drew a dick once in Batman years ago. And uh, I have to forever deny it because if i ever admit that it is a dick they are gonna have to spend a lot of money pulling those uh those books basically and Uh, just to be clear this is not an admission that that's what you did of course not no it's not right (laughs) i'm not even saying which batman right yes none of my batman of course no 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 but um no, it's funny because I, I used to work at a t-shirt company and we doing design work and we would put like <clears throat> marijuana leaves in the background and just kind of hide shit because we thought it was funny. Um, and it's so stupid. Like the risk that you're running of getting caught and possibly losing your job is not worth the, uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> look right. what I just did. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like but I think the, uh, if you're overworked and exhausted, you're prone to sort of throw in stuff like that before oh, you're sure. realizing how dumb it is. Yeah, like like the uh, um, <coughs> all of the recalled versions of the Little Mermaid they had to pull back because someone <laughs> turned the yeah. the Atlantis yeah. castle into a giant dildo. <laughs> well, first they denied it, like no, it's just a orally, it's just a, a you know fallacy shaped tower. Like, yeah, it's not mm-hmm. a penis with a head on it and a vein down the middle. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one in the Lion King too, right? Like there's a. I think there's a point uh, where some animals like stomp on the ground and for a single frame, the cloud that comes up says sex in smoke yep. letters. Yep. Yep. It was like flowers or uh, plants, leaves or whatever. Yeah. What um, we're getting at is artists. That's a long, that's, you know how long it takes to animate leaves yeah. floating around into one word? Like that is going a long that way guy, for a hand sandwich. Whoever did that is thinking to himself, <laughs> I could be the jizz guy on a hentai shoot right now, but I have to draw... <laughs> The leaves in the friggin' Lion King for Disney. Yeah, that's that's commitment because you know that had to take him a week 
to get that done. I mean, it's like it's you make a bad decision when you throw in a thing in the background and you go about your day. Like, all right, I drew a dick in Batman somewhere, and I, then I moved on. It was a stupid decision. Um, but to do that dumb thing five days straight while you're animating the leaves coming together into the shape of the word sex, mm-hmm. that is... You are really unhappy, really overworked, or really fucking stupid. Yeah, that is the kind of thing where I assume that was his only job. Was that one yeah. thing? He's like, well, yeah, may as well make it worth it. Yeah, like maybe he applied to be like, I want to be a lead animator. I'm tired of fucking drawing leaves in the background. They don't think I can. Fit. Well, I'm gonna take. Oh, maybe they rejected his version of the script that had the word sex in. They're like, we could never put this in there, you know. And he's like, fine, I'm gonna put sex in the movie one day or the, one way or another. Yeah, guys, uh, I got the notes back for the script. Uh, th- there's one thing you guys wanted to cut out, and I really think it's really personal to me, and I really think it should be in there. Can the leaf spell out sex? <laughs> I um. Uh, was doing storyboard uh, storyboards for Venture Brothers once. Mm-hmm. I was uh, applying for a job, so they gave me this like basic. Here's a few scenes. Just storyboard this out, and we'll see if we can give you a job. And uh, I did it for free because you know I was looking for work at the time. I was in LA, and the scene was like you know three standard scenes. But uh, this guy was running around. I think it was the monarch, and he was chasing people around this office. And I added my own scene just because I thought it would be funny if he chased them into the bathroom and you see the women's door close and he shoots a bunch of women in the neck with his gun and then he walks out. Um, and I, I boarded out that whole scene just because I thought it was hilarious and I thought it would be fitting uh, with the style of the show. Um, and I did get a call back because they get so many submissions of board storyboard artists to have one where it's like, wait a minute, I don't remember this scene. Who is this guy? This is hilarious. you know. And it actually worked. And I got a call from the guy who wanted me to uh, submit some more stuff, but that's just when I started getting work at DC, so I had to turn the work down. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't do anything like write sex in the background or no. You just had the monarch assault a bunch of women in a bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> but the door was closed and you couldn't really. see Oh yeah, it. well if you don't it. see it, it that's why matter. it's funny. Yeah, if you, if you don't see it, then it didn't happen, right? <laughs> that's why it's still a G rating, I would assume. <laughs> anyway. Um, in the fifth, the fifty segment, we've got uh, Michael Michael McKeon doing the voice of the Joker, which I think is is uh, is really great. He's the lead singer from Spinal Tap, and he shows up in a lot of the Christopher oh, Guest cool. movies. Nice. Um, yeah, he's got a great voice. He had a great laugh for the Joker. Yeah, he did. Um, and I, yeah, I I really like the fifties one as well. I know, I know you don't care for the style, but like, uh, mm. I think they nail that whole look and feel pretty well. And uh, yeah. it actually, years later, they did a new show, uh, Warner Brothers did a new show called Batman Brave and the Bold that was right. pretty yeah. much all this kind of style. Yeah. And it looks pretty similar to this. Like, it's a little bit more modern than this is. Yeah. But it's got the yeah. same feel. And that show, I, I, I recommend that show. That's a good show. Yeah. I remember thinking that's not my kind of Batman, so I never paid attention to it. But I've heard uh, recently from many people that that show really was good and it, you can't just have dark batman all the time right, it was good that right. they shook it up a bit yeah that being said i mean this is probably its own episode but the the newest the batman trailer came out today i think and yeah. uh, it's a lot it's a lot of the same stuff from the first trailer it's just a little bit less morose so i don't know yeah. what that means for the movie but yeah I, I couldn't quite follow the narrative too like every trailer should have a story going on within it and i just felt it was like a bunch of mishmash ideas and i didn't quite I don't know. I wasn't yeah. too impressed by it, but I, I am excited for the movie. Yeah, me too. I think Matt Reeves is a very underrated director, so I'm really looking forward yeah. to see what he does. Um, so, so I know that you love this episode, and I'm always sort of 
uh, I like this episode. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. And here's here's my critique on it. Yeah. If, if you will allow me a few minutes here, um, I think this episode. I get what this episode is doing. I, I understand that it sets out to accomplish a goal and it does accomplish it. And I get the gag and I think it's fun and I love how the kids are the characters and they have these this imagination of who Batman is. And by the end. They all see their own version of Batman anyway, and Batman can be anyone to anybody, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I totally get what they're doing here. And I'm fine saying it's just not my type of Batman episode. However, if I was going to make this a five, you have three kids, but you only have two uh, two uh, parts where they... Yeah. yeah, like I wanted the first... Ki- the first kid said he thinks Batman's like man bat. He thinks this guy's a monster. I wish they had animated that section too. Yeah. And then they did the other two sections because doing things in threes just makes sense for narrative purposes. Doing things in twos is weird. And then at the end where all three kids see the version of their Batman, like we never really get to see what the first uh, kid's version really is. And I think, I know that that would make this episode like five minutes longer, but to me that would have made it a five. Yeah. I think that's, that's, really just a timing thing because it's funny because when i when i remember this episode i remember oh there's three kids and each one of them gets to tell the story about what they think batman is but that's mm-hmm. not the case they only they do only do two of them yeah um, in my head i always think that there are three different versions and there really is only two and that, that makes me think like why is there a th- why are there just two kids then yeah well i i kind of get it because if you look at the episode from you know overall there are three batman stories just the third one is the one that's happening in real time right and the the catalyst of the story is the one kid saying i this is what i think batman is and the other two are like no that's not what it is at all so i can understand Mm -hmm. the choice being like okay one of them is saying this is what i think it is and that's the jumping off point to tell these two uh, mm-hmm. imaginary stories and then we'll do the third story it'll be the, the real one yeah yeah but i do i do yeah i mean shit i would love it if there were five kids there all telling yeah. different versions of batman i would love that yeah that, that first kid is telling the kelly jones version yeah of exactly yes. i want to see that yes yeah i definitely would like <laughs> or to see a, that a tim sale version would be cool um you know i think that they got rid of the joe schumacher bit and shortened the uh the Dick Sprang one a little bit. They could have made room for that kid to have his Man Bat version. Yeah. And we open it up with like a horror uh, clip and then you go into Fun Batman and then we go into Frank Miller Batman. Like I think that would have been a five. Yeah, I bet you could, you could probably start, if you started the episode with Monster yeah, Batman. Yeah, cold, cold open. Yeah, yeah. And then you pull away from that and it's you find out, oh, it's a kid telling a story. I think you probably yeah. could have worked it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that kid's version sounded way cooler where Batman has fangs <laughs> and shit like that. Like, <laughs> have they ever done? In fact, I'd rather see that than a Dick Sprang version. But I know it's a kid show. I get why they went with Sprang. Have they done an animated version of the Kelly Jones stuff, like the one where he's a vampire? I can't. I'm not. Sure, I can't remember. But again, that's another one where it's like I feel like if you're gonna, if it's do not that, his style, then it won't work. Right. If you're if you're gonna take a story like that with such an identifiable style and you don't try to yeah. do the style, then what's the point? You know. It's like when they do Hellboy animated stuff. I uh, I don't get why they don't just animate Mike's style. It's so right. ready to be animated. And it's, it, it's very blocky and simple. It's way easier to do than the 3D manga style shit that they tr- they attempted. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they managed to find... Some of these movies that they do, they find kind of an, uh, an interesting middle ground. Like uh, yeah. when they did All-Star Superman... 
it wasn't exactly I was really hoping they were going to do a Frank Quitely thing because I feel like Frank Quitely's uh, art is mm-hmm. um, you can refine it down enough where you can animate it easily and still have that look. Right. But it's kind of like a it's kind of sort of a little bit Frank Quitely, but not all the way. And uh, when they did Hush, the, the mm-hmm. it kind of looks like Jim Lee's art, but it's not all the way. I mean, Jim Lee's probably hard to animate because it's you know it's a lot of lines and stuff. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> I guess actually with this episode, they were originally going to do a third part that was the '70s uh, Denny O'Neill Neil Adams Batman, mm. but oh, cool. <clears throat> but they realized that Neil Adams's artwork would be too difficult to animate. Because yeah, it's too true. too realistic and too too uh, uh, yeah. too many lines and too too much detail. It's funny. You remember the cartoon The Max on MTV? Yeah, sure do. Um, the way that they animated that, I thought was brilliant. They they would pick their moments where they would almost uh, take uh, Sam Keith's art and animate just like a little thing, just like you watch. You're sitting watching the Max sitting in an alley, t- you know, talking to himself out loud or whatever, and he would maybe be breathing a little bit so they had all the sam keith detail and they focused on rendering his breath just a little you know all of your focus goes into that because you have to render all those little lines that he does and you can only you know spend so much time on each shot so that's where they focused rather than you know having the max run around and all that sure but then they did have the stuff where max would run around and it was a lot more simple looking like the style of the show changed um, but they had moments where they really brought Sam Keith's artwork into the cartoon. I mm. thought they did it really effectively, you know, and they really focused on the moody panels. Um, I, I feel like if they ever tried to animate White Knight, I would almost say, can you try to do that? Can you work in some of my panels and like animate a little section of it? And then, you know, pick your other moments. And I don't know, like there's got to be a way to get. I, I just thought it was so effective for the Max, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I I have to go back and watch some of that because I I I remember it being on, but I don't think I watched it that often. Because uh, yeah. I think it was like I was just young enough where that block of animation that MTV did was like over my head a bit. Yeah, because they they, yeah, they had Beavis and Butthead, which of course I liked, but then like <laughs> what was the, it? Was yeah. it the head? Yeah, oh, yeah, with the guy with the gigantic <laughs> like football head. Yeah, <laughs> like I, so funny. I never it's such a Gen X, such a Gen X uh, channel that was. <laughs> yeah, I never got the, into that. I never got into the Max. I never got into Eon Flux. Eon Flux. I remember. Yeah. Oh, I thought the art in that that show was the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it was. Yeah. It was just. I did not enjoy looking at it. Yeah. No, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. That uh, Eric Kennedy knows him. He worked with him. Eric Chung, maybe. Oh no, kidding. Um. Yeah, and he's he did like a Phantom two two ninety nine. Oh sure, cartoon. sure. Yeah. And uh, I was rewatching the Animatrix last last night, and he did one of those as well. They're like hyper sexualized European looking, right? But with yeah. the J- Japanese sensibility. It was really unique. Really rope, ropey muscles and stuff. And I, I bet I yeah. would I bet I would like it a lot more now if I watched it than I did when I was yeah. a kid. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, the second story, obviously the the Dark Knight Returns one. Um, I don't know how they could manage to get this so right, and then when they did the longer version, n- not get it right. Yeah. Because, um, like, Michael Ironsides is a fantastic Batman, mm. and unfortunately, Peter Weller, not so much. Peter Weller <laughs> being the, the one who plays Batman in, in the longer version. Right. And, it like, 
Batman in this, very minimal dialogue, just kind of hitting the the highlights of, of his dialogue in Dark Knight Returns, and, and Ironsides makes it work. It sounds great. And in yeah. the longer one, he sounds like uh, like an animatronic person, unfortunately. And not yeah. the cool kind that Peter Weller plays where he has a gun in his leg. Right. Um, so I'm watching I'm watching the Max right now. <laughs> I'm, thank you for paying attention to what I was saying. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think Weller. I was never a fan of uh, Weller in that, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, right, the, the artwork, the artwork, uh, <laughs> animation of of Frank Miller's stuff just works so well. Like it lends itself the blending of Frank Miller's sensibility and Bruce Timm's sensibility mm-hmm. works yeah. so so well. Because they they both yeah. have big uh, big shadows and silhouettes that they work, deal with, and it just it's it's a really nice fit. Yeah. yeah, they went with Frank Miller's blockiness and shapes. They didn't go with the detail, obviously, because that's too time consuming. Right. But I also noticed like they, they actually fixed Frank the Batmobile, like the big tank. Mm-hmm. I think it looks better here than it does in the actual comic. Oh, really? Because Frank Miller is not a technical designer. I don't think he would ever admit to that. So when he drew the the tank, it's like, oh yeah, this looks good from this angle. And what would it look like from the side? Uh, I guess like this. I don't know. Anyway, next panel. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like when I draw machines, I make sure they look good from every. Like it's a whole process for me that I know a lot of artists don't don't bother with, and that's fine. But I thought for this that they fleshed it out a lot more and made it look more uh, realistic in a way. Yeah, as bizarre as that thing looks, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you you have that great uh, action figure of uh this episode yeah don't you? yeah I, I have the set of batman and robin and, and the mutant leader and it's a great yeah. it's a great figure i mean the it the uh, uh streamlining of the style works really well <laughs> whenever we record this podcast in person at your apartment i'm always like playing with that figure while we're talking yeah it's a great figure <laughs> i i should have kept nice it in, heavy too what's that yeah it's yeah i like <laughs> that's i like the big ones that they do now that they're, they're a lot more satisfying for some reason i think because they're so expensive now that it's like if <laughs> If I'm going to spend yeah. the money, I want a beefy action figure. Yeah, I want I want them to I have can't... used a lot of plastic. <laughs> With some weight, like if you throw it at your little brother, he <laughs> will end up in the hospital. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, what would you draw on this one? Uh, that's a tough call because I mean it's uh, it's stuff. You know what? I would draw. I would like to draw '50s Batman. I think because I've never wow, okay. I've never drawn Batman like that before. Um, yeah, with your style, that's pretty bold. I think it would be kind of fun. I think there, I, I think there would be a way to marry the two sensibilities in a way that worked. I think. I, you know, if I was your editor, I would say you should draw the scene where Batman is fighting in the mud because I would just I'd oh, be looking yeah. at your bloody hell stuff yeah. and like you're you're primed and ready to go when it comes to mud. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, that's one thing I can I can tell you I can definitely draw at this point. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be fun. I actually uh, I don't know who has been commissioning it, but someone out there with a shitload of money has been commissioning artists to do full page recreations yeah. of the Dark Knight Returns, mm, and wow. that would be that would be a really fun one to do. That that uh, mud fight with the mutant leader. Yeah, yeah. What would you draw? I don't like. Uh, I would draw the tank, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not only the outside of it, I would sort of tweak it a bit and make it look like it actually would work. Rather than be like the treads are on the 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 treads are not in the center of the vehicle; they're sort of more the back, mm-hmm. and you have this big like elephant nose trunk of the oh uh, yeah, I, I love head I like love leaning that out. Yes, 
It is so cool looking, but it's like that thing would tip the fuck over yeah. <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> it's such it's such a great visualization of the amount of overkill that Batman brings to the table in that scene because <laughs> it's he's got this yeah. giant tank with this yeah this giant elephant cannon that's just like <laughs> mounding up over the mutant leader coming down to this little tiny gun barrel pointed at him and it's yeah. like did you bring enough stuff for this one guy and then it's of course perfect. yeah of course it in the comic like he gets animal. his ass kicked so it's like looking down like a dinosaur at this little tiny figure in the mud. It's that panel. So the shape is just so unmistakable. Yeah. But, uh, I'm glad that they, they hit that note, you know? I really like the f- I, I really like that Batmobile from the front, too, because it's got these, like, armor yeah. panels on the side that actually look like bat ears, kind of, yeah. in a way that I think feels more uh, in sync with the design than, like, the old-style yeah. Batmobile where it was just like a Studebaker with a big bat shield on the front of it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you know it's funny. I drew that Studebaker one and um, reworked it a little bit. I, I found a way to make that shield work. I think um, there's a few panels in uh, the first volume of White Knight where I have it in the background, and it is a really sweet looking roadster if you play with the dimensions a bit. Yeah. Um, but you got to like sink the shield halfway into the ground. You move like the chin part of the shield forward so it's like a dagger. And there's ways oh, sure. to, to to tweak it. It doesn't look like that car anymore though. Like it's not charming and classic. It's it's a Sean Murphy monstrosity, but I, I think I can get it to work. <laughs> have you ever drawn? Well, first, have you ever drawn that Dark Knight Returns? I'm going to uh, Batmobile. I assume you haven't, right? No, no, no. the tank. I've not. Have you ever drawn the '90s Ghost Rider motorcycle? Ah, uh, no, and I know I I have a date with the devil on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's such a fascinating design to me because it's it works yeah. really well. But it yeah. feels like a motorcycle designed by someone who doesn't like to draw motorcycles. Yeah, it's, but that's why. Yeah, yeah. it's all flat textura, angles. It's all flat he, angles, he, and the light hits it really well, so you can like shade it and stuff. But it's just, it's yeah. not. It doesn't look feel like a motorcycle. <clears throat> the bike looks good because the fire looks good. Yeah. it's in rendering the fire and the shape of the fire and like the trail it's leaving, and you have Ghost Rider like turning and he's like leaning at a diagonal towards the camera and there's this streak behind the bike and he's got the chain out and that's it's that shape that Textero creates that makes the bike work it's not actually the bike it's everything around it which i think is really interesting yeah yeah but yeah i would like to do a ghost rider someday i mean especially the idea of ghost rider getting into any vehicle and it turns into a fire vehicle or whatever (laughs) did you did you ever see the second ghost rider movie uh yeah i think i saw yeah that's when he's slightly darker right yeah yeah that it's it's great effects yeah it's not the best movie in the world but if you want to see a ghost rider movie you could do a lot worse than that movie yeah because they they, i had a i was just gonna say they do sorry i I, I didn't mean to keep talking over you the uh uh, (laughs) they do the thing where anything he gets into turns into a ghost rider vehicle and he gets into like increasingly ridiculous things that turn into (laughs) ghost rider vehicles Right, that, like a stroller. <laughs> well, just like bigger and like at one point he gets into like this gigantic uh, construction vehicle, and then oh, all awesome. of like the treads on whatever he's in turn into fire treads and stuff. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty rad. Difficult. I'd start him out on like a razor scooter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a really good um, Ghost Rider idea, and I'm tempted to not talk about it, but uh, I'll put it in there for now, and then you can pull it out later. But <laughs> I thought about doing one where, um, remember how the Red Baron in World War One used to hide behind the sun 
and uh, blind people, he would fly between his enemy and the sun. So if they looked at him, they would just have to squint their eyes, and he was hard to make out. Yeah. In my version, he is Ghost Rider, and the sun is not the sun. It's because he's literally on fire, and it's like looking at a star as he's like tearing <laughs> it up in the sky, basically. Nice. So the Red Baron is like one of the first Ghost Riders or something like that. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So if someone takes that idea, I, I will come after you with my lawyer. <laughs> Although I guess if it's a plane, technically just the, the tiny landing wheels would turn into fire, wouldn't they? No, you would, I would have fire be from the uh, front of the engine just burping fire and it's encompassing the whole... Well, now uh, you're just breaking the rules. Wait, what are the rules? I don't know. I just it assume... It has to be all. the wheels? <laughs> I just assume so. I'm sure, I, yeah, I'm sure well, it doesn't do matter. Research first. <laughs> yeah. Um, that'd be cool. I just need to uh, fix my relationship with Marvel, which isn't going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> well, you know, you know, all you got one of you has to be the first person to take the step towards reconciliation. I tried, man. I uh, I reached out to do some uh, Star Wars covers, and the guy asked me my rate. I told him, and he never got back to me. And fast forward to us at a party in Chicago where I was drunk, and I found him, and I was yelling at him for not getting back to me. Um, like literally getting into his face and I, I wasn't trying to be arrogant it's like if you're not getting back to me you're not getting back to a lot of people and it's just i hate when comics doesn't function well like how are you the talent coordinator of marvel and you can't even write me back like if you think my page rate is too high then just tell me we can come to a deal like you don't just ghost me that's just bullshit yeah and that, that's the kind of we talk about my my short fuse on the last episode <laughs> that is one of my short fuses and i went to town on this guy in a bar and he was shriveling pretty obviously and one of my friends had to squeeze my knee and calm me down because i i don't know so this poor kid was just doing what he was supposed to and here i am just yelling at him while he's trying to enjoy himself <laughs> so just so we're clear you want me to cut out the part about the ghost rider idea but leave in the verbal assault of a marvel editor yes okay that's fine. okay <laughs> jesus um what would yeah. you what would you rate this episode I'm going to go four out of five. Yeah. I would give it a five out of five if they had the Man Bat uh, animated as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to give it a four, and I'll tell you why. Oh. Because there's one thing that they could have done in this episode that. Firelit Batman. Firelit Batman <laughs> does not appear. I feel like if they had Firelit Batman at the end of this episode when they fight Firefly, this would be a five across the board for me. But uh, yeah. um, obviously, aside from that, I think it's really great. Um, it's 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 my I don't I wouldn't say I don't know if I would say it's the best episode, but it's definitely my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, and the set, the, the Frank Miller section by itself is a five. Yeah, I would think so, too. I say I would say so, too. And like the other thing that's so great about that section is they condense so much of Dark Knight Return. I'm Obviously, I mean, you're losing yeah. a lot of the the you're losing a lot of it, but they condense so many great scenes from the book down into that one little vignette and have them play together really seamlessly, even though they don't play that way in the book. Um, I know. And yeah, it's just really, really well done. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's the jewel in the whole episode for me. It's just, I would have wanted more of that and less of Joel Schumacher. Yeah. (laughs) That's, that's fair. Or if there's a way to do the whole episode as a retelling where it's just that bit, like give me 22 minutes of Frank Miller, Batman, but have it justified in the plot somehow. I don't know. Yeah. You have to like bookend it in a different way, of course. Yeah. 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 I just wish they had done when they actually did do the long when they had done it that way. But is that, can you hear the lightning? Yeah. Is that thunder? Yeah. Man. It's just like, 
You inv- Sorry, I always do that. Can you hear the lightning? I know a lot about weather. <laughs> you invoke Frank Miller's Batman, and all of a sudden, uh, lightning and thunder comes to town. No, that was the anger of the Marvel editor. I just threw him <laughs> to the bus. Yeah, they, they've got the, all of the might of Disney behind them now, so you better watch out. <laughs> That's true. I would love to do... I don't know if there's any repercussions for me really fleshing out on a podcast my history with Marvel and what went wrong and why I don't work for them. I don't know if there's any penalty I'll pay at this point, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I don't just know. gossip. Like it's not going to help anybody. Well, I guess it could. Maybe, There's a lot of business. Maybe we'll make that a Patreon exclusive, so at least we can make some money off of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't know if I'm going to possibly. I mean, what would they do? Go after DC, but then DC has their lawyers; they could defend me. I mean, well, I mean, deal. yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what there would be to, yeah. to actionable. Well, that's let's let's not start going down that road yeah. now. Um. <clears throat> well. Okay. W- we'll wait till the Patreon exclusive to talk about your uh, legal options as far as fighting a <laughs> fictional battle that probably they don't have in the to, they don't have a case in the first place. But anyway, I'm waiting for 20 years from now when Netflix does uh, the comics that made us mm-hmm. and they interview me and I can finally just like let it fly because all the people I'll be complaining about will no longer be working. Well, there, there you the go. Company will be yeah. different. So that'll be the time to let let loose on yeah, Marvel. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Girls Night Out. Five more miles, Missy. Hey, you should be happy. If Gothcorp Labs can undo your condition, you could be back to normal this time tomorrow. If you ever were normal. Yeah, I love you too, jerk face. Okay, Girls Night Out. Written by Hilary J. Bader, directed by Kurt Gaeta. And in this one, Livewire, Poison Ivy, and Harley Quinn join, for- join-, join forces. I'm having trouble with these today. Join forces to wreak havoc in Gotham. With Batman and Superman away, Batgirl and Supergirl must team up to stop them and bring them to justice. I had said in the last episode that the appearance of uh, Etrigan was only the second time they've done an a character guest spot who is not a Batman universe character, like it's just like mm. a larger DC character. Man, yeah. they really just blow through it in this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not even bad. It's not even Superman. It's it's Supergirl, <laughs> which I kind of. Yeah. This is a really interesting episode for me because I like a lot of it. Like I really like the Batgirl and Supergirl dynamic. I think they're really fun together. Mm-hmm. Um. But the whole thing feels a little bit like a backdoor pilot almost. I think it makes more sense as a pilot for a new kind of cartoon. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty decent. I don't think this feels like a Batman animated episode at all, though. Yeah, it's it, it feels like I've I don't know if I've brought I mean I've probably brought this up on this show. I've brought it up on other ones before, but like you know, in late late season or late series uh shows will always do like Oh, here's the episode of Miami Vice where Crockett and Tubbs are in the beginning and they're in the end, but the middle are three new characters you've never seen before going on their own adventure that they're trying to spin <laughs> off into a new show. And, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, yeah. I guess... You never said that here. Yeah, yeah. I guess I got to sit through this episode. And I'm not saying that's the same thing because I actually enjoyed watching this, but it has the same kind of feel yeah. where it's like they've never really done a side character only episode to mm-hmm. this extent um i think it well, works pretty well but it is it is kind of jarring in, in the overall series oh shit holy that crap was another, that i'm was sorry really close i'm sorry <laughs> bruce tim 
I saw that like hit uh, right outside my window, less than a mile away. Holy shit! Yeah, this is awesome, man. Who else can we should talk here? <laughs> Apparently, we have the gods' attention <laughs> or Ghost Riders. <laughs> Does Ghost Rider use lightning at all, or just fire? Uh, just fire, as far as I know. Okay, you can't be. There's not like a lightning well, maybe, kind of uh, maybe, Highlander type of vibe when he Ghost Riders out. Maybe maybe Cosmic Ghost Rider <laughs> uses lightning. I don't know. Oh, fuck Cosmic Ghost Rider. How the hell? Uh, don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 going to the mat for Cosmic Ghost Rider. That's a great character. I like that character a lot. I I honestly don't know much about him, so I, I can't defend myself. <laughs> I just think when he puts a, a space helmet on and his head goes on fire, and like, what is he burning? Like the oxygen inside the helmet is? Does he even really need to breathe in space? I mean, his helmet. He would just be a skeleton. Uh, with a leather jacket in space, there wouldn't be any air for t- to burn. Well, it's right? not. It's not like f- it's like cosmic fire. It's not like fire fire. Oh, it's like plasma. Yeah, he's something. he's a create. I think he's a creation of Galactus. So he's like he's got cosmic mm-hmm. a cosmic element to him. Hence the name. All right. So do you like it in the way you like WWF? Like, oh, this is dumb but ironic and cool. Or do you actually think it's good? No, I like it. It's a cool character. Okay. Yeah, he's great. Uh, um. I think he first shows, or one of the first times he shows up is in uh, the the Thanos Wins series, and yeah. it's re- that's a really great series. Am I getting mixed up with a newer version? Was there a, a Cosmic Ghost Rider in the last ten years? Yeah, that's the only. There's only ever been one. Oh, okay. I thought I had a uh, a Marvel series three card that had Ghost Rider in space on one of the the battles. So I thought he was from the eighties or something. I don't think so. Okay. At least, at least else. not the this this version that I'm thinking of, anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. What are we talking about? <laughs> so sorry. So I speaking of speaking of getting this. loose towards the end of the series. <laughs> I never loved this one. I uh, when I was a kid, you know, I was I was like, I don't want to watch girls. This is dumb. <laughs> like I had that stupid sexist, you know, mentality as a 12 year old, mm-hmm. 14 year old. Uh. And I still feel that way. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, we can uh, no, tell. We can. We can tell by your your animation work where you just have them <laughs> hold up in the bathroom to get shot at by the monarch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, did you? All right. Let's get into it this way. Do you remember the first <laughs> female fictional character that you were into? Uh, yes. Like. It wasn't about male power fantasies. This was the first woman that was like, "Oh man, she's fucking awesome." And it wasn't like you were you thought she was hot, or maybe it was that too. Oh, um, I don't know actually. I think it. You know, honestly, it it might have been aliens. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Maybe Terminator. Yeah, Terminator Two probably. Yeah, um, but like, when did you do you ever watch the Powerpuff Girls? No, I did not. See, I was into that, which is unusual for me because normally I'm not into all female casts. Sure. Um, and even when I was watching like Queen's Gambit, I was like hesitantly going along, and I was blown away by how fucking good that show was. Mm-hmm. Like, loved it. Um, and I, I, there's a lot of um, media that I love that's just female based, um, but it's usually a harder sell for me because I'm just when I look for fiction, I generally go for male power fantasies. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm proud of that. It's just sort of how I'm wired. Um, and it was surprising to me as I evolved as a creator. I was glad that I was able to write Harley uh, in a way that really 
uh, transform the character. Like I, I suddenly took new interest in writing female characters when I had to write Harley Quinn because mm-hmm. I just couldn't not write her to be as interesting as the men around her. So for me, sinking my teeth into that character was like very new for me. And I think a lot of people sort of saw me as a sort of weird like fixing Harley's flaws, but doing it in a way that was like not too over the top. And I was really like proud to get that compliment, but I don't feel like um, the candidate to pull out that sort of thing. Cause mo- mainly I gravitate towards stories. It's like a guy punching a guy. He's got a gun. He's got attitude in the car. You know what I mean? Sure. Like I, I'd never thought I'd be the one to like quote unquote fix Harley Quinn or to evolve her into being a mom. Like just doesn't sound like a story I'd ever be interested in writing, but mm. I guess I sort of wrote that for better or worse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a long way of saying like when I saw this, uh, I don't really know the point I'm making here, honestly. <laughs> I just I saw this and I, I wanted to talk about female characters in comics and how it's like hard for me to grasp sometimes because I'm in it for the male power fantasies, as are most readers, for better or worse, you know? Yeah. Um I Sorry. well I, I think one of the things that this episode does pretty well is it 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 doesn't trade on that element of it where like th- this story is not about Yeah. Batgirl and Supergirl uh, trying to take the like, the 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 male power fantasy yeah. element of it is kind of removed pretty quickly, and it's yeah. just it's just a story about two female superheroes versus three female supervillains. Yeah, and I think they managed to do it pretty well without um, really relying any of on on any of that peripheral stuff and just letting these characters be the characters. They do. Like in um, Avengers Endgame, that scene in the middle where all the girls are standing together and they're Mm -hmm. like, get out of the way, boys. Like that kind of record scratch moment. That never happened in this cartoon. I thought it was extremely well done. And I I like all these characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like I think it did what it did without drawing attention to the fact that they were winning brownie points by, let's let's do one for the ladies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't even know if that's why they did it. They might have just wanted to use those characters, you know? Yeah. Um but yeah, I think I think it works really well. I think uh uh Wait, no, they clearly did it. They it's three bad guy females versus th- two good guy girls. No, god. <laughs> it's got to be a better way to say bad that. Guy you know saying, good right? guy girls and good guy girls, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean like I, I I don't know if they're doing it to to throw a bone to anybody more than as much as I mean maybe they were, I don't know, but they maybe they just wanted to do an episode yeah. with the female characters for the sake of doing an episode with the female characters. I don't know. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's okay. So we're agreeing then. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I don't know. Well, my brain exploded <laughs> on trying to get that sentence out. That's might be the most non-politically correct thing I've ever said. <laughs> on, on Mike, maybe. Yeah. True. <laughs> um, sorry, ladies. Um, you know, it always surprised me. Like, and I sort of touched on this before. When I was getting into comics, and I would meet women who were into comics too, I was like so happy to see women at conventions and so happy that they were reading comics. And, you know, I just, I do agree, like at least when I was growing up, comics were mostly created for and read by men um, ages, you know, 15 to 35 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they used to have romance comics and stuff back in the day that was for women, which is kind of sexist, but we can get into that some other time. But uh, I love to see women there, but whenever I would speak to them, I'd be like, sort of like this, like, what are you doing here? This is great that you're here, but like, what books are you reading? There's no way you're reading Batman punching people and like getting, enjoying these male power fantasies the same way I am. Like, I knew that well, it was now, a different kind of cu- customer. Now who's being sexist? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> 
but I, I was just so uh, happy to see them and enchanted that, that they were there. And uh, as I started my career, like I worked with Karen Berger, got me in, and most of my editors at DC have been women, and I've got a lot of female. Like I don't need to prove my my liberal feminist uh, rank, but um, but uh, I just I'm so glad that that happens. But it's just interesting to me that. Um, a genre that specializes in male power fantasies has managed to attract women at all. It's a good thing, of course, you know, but it's just amazing to me that, um, <laughs> especially with all the shit that goes down online and all these accusations, it's just, um, I'm amazed any women still bother reading sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems so awful out there with the way they're treated at shows and yeah. cosplay or whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's, there are a lot of great female characters that, uh, well, and I, I mean, I don't want to, generalize and say that's the only thing they're in, into but like of course not yeah yeah i think i think the uh just the general representation is a lot better than it used to be and there's so many yeah. more female creators now that are you know yeah. leveling the playing field um, i uh i noticed when i was doing image i would get a lot more female readers like it seemed like i was getting like 40 percent yeah. of my people in line were were women which is huge mm-hmm. um and then when i started doing batman it's like 95 percent men yeah now. yeah um, and I thought what was happening was maybe because my image books generally had a female lead character. Um, sure. But I also heard from my female readers that the reason that they like my stuff is because I draw backgrounds, like very lush, complete backgrounds. Oh, interesting. And they really enjoy setting more than they enjoy pictures of men punching each other. So even though Tokyo Ghost had a lot of violence and men punching each other, I still drew a lot of these like epic landscapes of trees and flowers and just... The women I spoke to seem to gravitate more towards that stuff and less towards lead dent on his motorcycle. Sure, you know what I mean, sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's weird because, like, again, like I, I, I don't think of myself as a good. Just case in point, look at how much I'm fumbling talking about this subject, <laughs> trying to step over laser beams and hitting every single goddamn one of them. <laughs> Uh, I don't see myself as a good spokesperson for these sorts of values and for feminism in comics yet. Uh, I happen to have done a ton of books that have female leads in them. You know, I remember getting the um, pitch from Rick for Tokyo Ghost, and it was supposed to be Led Dead was the main character. And I'm like, this is such a bro-y, macho story. I feel like maybe if Debbie Decay was the main character, it would really balance the book. And I think if she was sort of like Debbie Harry from uh, Blondie or something like that, like this tank girl, like this cute tank girl, badass chick, or like a Harley Quinn in a way, that's perfect. So we sort of moved the book in that direction. Or it was the um, the Wake had a female lead character. American Vampire did. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I just I never thought I'd be drawing. At one point, I remember being like, why the fuck am I drawing all these? Like, don't get me wrong. I am thrilled to have a job, and I love drawing these characters. But I thought I got into this to draw men with square jaws punching each other, and now I'm drawing women. This is nuts. <laughs> So try to cancel me now, <laughs> haters. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I cannot wait to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is gonna mean. Uh <laughs> are you following me at all? Is this yeah, making any sense? No, I I, okay. I know what you mean. I understand okay. what you mean. <laughs> I think I think with um I think with older comics fans. And creators yeah. even, because, you know, if you're a creator, you're generally a fan. There yep. is a perceived idea of who are who might be into comic books in general, who might be into specific mm-hmm. comic books, that is now, doesn't really exist anymore. 
And that's fair. I think with a lot of things in the world today, and I mean, every generation goes through this, uh, it takes a little bit of adjustment and Mm -hmm. you kind of have to recognize that things are moving away from what you're used to. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I'm not saying you're saying it's a bad thing, but I'm just in general. Um, for instance, the thing that I still can't believe is, uh, the first time I was at a family Christmas party with my girlfriend and her 13 year old cousin, Hmm. uh, who was also a girl was talking to me about the infinity gauntlet. And I just flashed back to when I was 13 years old reading comics that featured the infinity gauntlet and thinking Mm. i can't talk to anyone about this let alone a girl yeah it like and now this thing that is fairly obscure uh in comics let alone all of pop culture is is and you know if i tried to talk to anyone or especially a girl about this i would just they would think i was an insane person is Mm -hmm. now like the core of popular culture and entertainment And it, it just like at the, I was having these two conflicting feelings where I'm like, this is really cool, but also I can't believe this is happening. This is just so outside the realm of what I'm used to when it comes to, to, to comics and anything like that. And so it does, it does take some adjustment and it, it does, Mm -hmm. uh, to realize that, uh, the, the net is, is a lot wider than it used to be. And, and I think it's, I think it's all better for it. Yeah. I used to be uh, ashamed of reading comics when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the guy who had the comic hidden by a real book wrapped around it, so no one would see that I was reading comics. Um, all my friends were athletes, and they were cool, and I, was, and I wasn't popular, but I, I had a lot of different kinds of friends. But I just didn't want anybody to know that I was reading comics. And like I loved the movie The Rocketeer and Ninja Turtles, and I felt like I was too old to keep talking about it. So even though like I love the rocket, like I happily would have talked your ear off about the Rocketeer while I was a senior in high school, but I never did that because it wasn't. I didn't feel like it was appropriate. You know, I didn't want right, people right. seeing my porn, so to speak. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's just below. And even now, it's weird to tell. I feel weird telling people that I draw comics because I still have a little bit of that in me. Like, oh sure. god, this is embarrassing. Comics are for kids. Everyone knows they're stupid. And uh, and I don't really feel that way, of course, but I know that they must feel that way. But that's totally wrong now because the movies have changed that. Like, again, our friend, <laughs> our single friend is on Tinder and he writes that he's a Marvel artist and he gets laid because of that. <laughs> like, that was the opposite. It was like kryptonite yeah. getting laid, at least in my mind. Yeah, that was when he told us that that was very much like a you don't understand how good you yeah, have it, you I son of a bitch. You, man. Yeah, I hope you catch an STD of some kind. It's really painful. <laughs> but no, I mean, I know what you mean. Like, I still, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm an illustrator first. And then, <laughs> and then usually they say, what do you illustrate? And then I'll say comic books and they go, oh, cool. I'm like, yeah. 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 But it's just, it's just, that's how I've always thought about it. Yeah. I was literally using that last night at a bar. Uh, my wife's in out of town for a few days, so I'm just living by myself. And I went out to a bar to read because I just needed to get out of the house last night. And I was chatting up with this this girl I didn't know. And uh, she's like, what do you do for work? So I'm like, oh, I'm an illustrator. She's like, okay, what do you mean? I'm like, well, it's kind of long. We don't have to talk about work. So she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we're moving on to another subject. And then um, we're talking about pole dancing. And I mentioned how I just bought my wife a pole for our gym. 
she's like, wait, you can afford, you have a wife, and you have you have money to spend on superfluous <laughs> exercise activity in your personal gym, in your house? What kind of illustrator are you? And I'm like, uh, I, I'm in, I work for Warner Brothers. <laughs> she's like, doing what? And I go, I'm in, um, you know, media distribution. Like, I tried to dodge at every point. Why? It's like, don't say comics. Don't say comics. I don't know. I'm just still, just it's say still Batman. Age 18. I don't want to talk about the Rocketeer. I mean, the question that I had was, why did you put the pole in the gym? <laughs> That's where all the mirrors are. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And it's the highest ceiling uh, in our, on our property. And so. also the, the historical <laughs> society probably would frown on you putting a pole inside your house. Well, if it's made out of iron using the right materials, yeah. like you know, Victorian pole dancers. The same, like, the same okay. kind, yeah, the same kind of poles they had in the 1800s. I think you'll be fine. Oh, man. You want to talk about my short fuse. Get me going on about the historic society and how they've fucked with me so many times while I'm trying to put money into my house to make the neighborhood better. Patreon. Literally Patreon something exclusive. that no one wants to hear about right now. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we haven't really talked about this episode much at all. Uh, Sorry. The... Uh, yeah, I uh, I think it's re- one of the mo- most interesting aspects is that Batgirl gets to drive the Batmobile in this, which I don't even think Robin ever got to do in the show. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Uh, did you uh, are you a Livewire fan? Uh, honestly, no. I, I like I don't have anything against the character, but it just it never re- really. St- stood out to me like i, I don't yeah. i don't know maybe i just don't like the electric electricity characters like i never really cared about electro and spider-man either you know i don't know well what, what yeah. how do you feel about it um i i laurie petty is the actress who does her voice yeah. and i was a big i had kind of a minor crush on her back in um you know in the 90s mm-hmm. when she was she was the mom in free willy and she was in uh what else is she in she was kit in a league of their own yeah, couldn't leave with her own. She was Tank Girl. Tank Girl. Yeah. But she's kind of like, she crosses into that like punk, hot, and sexual as a woman, but also like really powerful, can yeah. kick your ass type of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was, I had a, yeah, that was my thing for a bit. So I was actually at uh, Detroit at a convention before COVID, and she was there. And I had access to the real green room, not just the quote unquote green room that they put comic book artists in, <laughs> which I can go and do later. Uh, so when I, I, I realized when I would go to shows, they put me in the comic green room. It's like the one that everybody gets into. And I couldn't eat without being hassled by somebody coming up to me and interrupting. Mm-hmm. So the next time I went to a show, this sounds really entitled. I apologize. I said to the promoter, can I have list. access to the real green room? I'm not going to bother any celebrities, but you don't understand. Like, it's hard for me to get through a meal with these nerds from Artist Alley walking up to me thinking it's okay to talk to me. So... <laughs> Keeping that in mind, in mind. now I'm Why didn't you just celebrity. go eat inside your car you don't drive, Sean? <laughs> I was in Detroit. I didn't have it. It's <laughs> uh, quite an image, though. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm in the green room, and like Charlie Hunnam, Sons of Anarchy, is there, and um, a couple of actors from The Office, Kevin from The Office, is there, and I'm not bothering anybody, because I know what it's like to be bothered in the green room, and I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Lori Petty there. Uh, that night, or sorry, the next morning I get up and I go down to just the breakfast place, which is where everybody can go. And Lori Petty is sitting at the bar, already having drank like two or three cocktails. Oh, boy. It's like 10 a.m. Yeah, like she she looks good, but she also looks like she's been rode hard and put away wet. Um, 
and I'm kind of near her, and I she's wearing sunglasses, and I can't tell if she's like hungover, or if she's still living that rock star lifestyle, or if that's just the vibe she gives off. I have no idea. And I'm, on one hand, I kind of want to be like, oh man, I'm a big fan of you know uh, your movies and this and that, but I'm like, ah, then I'm the guy who's bothering people, not only in the green room, but out at breakfast. And I couldn't tell by her body language. Like she was kind of scoping me out too, and she's not sure. Like this is some weird actor from Stranger Things that I don't know. <laughs> like I, I imagine that when you've been in entertainment that long, you don't know who the new people coming in sure, all the time sure. are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it must be easy for somebody to walk through a celebrity green room, and everyone just assumes, as long as you look like you're not awkward, that you're supposed to be there. You know? Right. Right. But I didn't actually have the nerve to go up and talk to her or say anything because, uh, I don't know, I didn't know how it would go over. And I don't really know what I was going to say other than, hey, I love you in the movie. Bye. <laughs> you sure you should be drinking that much at 10 a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the point of that story is you have access to the better green room than the artists do. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully. People are going to learn my secret. <laughs> I mean, when you go up to an artist at a show who uh, a writer or some big quote-unquote celebrity in comics, yeah. and they're surrounded by people chatting to them. Do you just walk right up and barge in and just say stuff? Do, do you like oh, no. wait, pick your moment? Yeah, like you're a good low-impact type of guy, and you know when it's appropriate to, you know, you know when someone's not like, you know, th- choking down a sandwich to get back right. to signing. You know that's not a good time right. to ask them about their life story, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of people are just not good at that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some people, I, they, everybody wants to shoot their shot, but some people choose the wrong moment to do it. I guess. Yeah, uh, I get it. Like, I, I've I've screwed up, and when I was coming up through the ranks, I've said the wrong thing or came on too strong, and I was that annoying guy a dozen times. Oh before yeah, I figured yeah, out we, we all to... have been. Yeah. Um. So I think the big thing about this episode is that it is a straight crossover with Superman. Mm. It like. It you could also you could almost like it's not explicitly that way, but if I had to guess, I would assume that this episode yeah. was probably played after the Superman episode where they defeat Livewire. If I had to, right, because yeah. it makes sense makes if you do it back to backs like that. Did this whole season get made after the Superman was finished? Uh, this, if I remember correctly, this season ran concurrently with Superman, so they would do a. Uh, oh. a it, they would do a Superman episode and a Batman episode, and they would, That's right. they would package yeah. them together. I, that was a dumb question. Obviously, it's called the what did they call the show? It was like the the hour of Superman, yeah, Batman. something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember. That, we had the Warner Brothers stores at the time too, and you could go into the mall and get like sweet maquettes and of these. Uh, man, I missed the Warner Brothers. I store still got they my had all the shit. I still got my denim Superman jacket, baby. It's the best the best jacket I own. <laughs> when are you gonna wear that? Wow. I mean, we just learned that our friend Joe has a massive Spider-Man tattoo on his back mm-hmm. that we has escaped notice for at least a decade. Yeah. Isn't I, it time for you to wear the Superman jacket? I think so. I think the next convention that I do that we're, yeah. all, we're all at, I'll bust that thing out. I mean, you see me weird, weird, wear weird things at shows, like my polyester shirts and shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you got to put something on, man. You got to, I don't know. You're always wearing just like shorts and a black t-shirt. Yeah, some, next like, time. Some ir- ironic horror movie. Next time we hit a comic convention, I'll wear my Superman jacket. You dress like a 70s vampire and we'll go to the bar. <laughs> Perfect. What's the problem? <laughs> hey, we'll, we'll be right back in middle school where no one will want to talk to us. <laughs> Do you think that the new Matrix movie coming out is going to turn kids and 
make them all like leathery goth again? I kind of hope so. I was, <laughs> I was when that trailer came out. I was reminiscing with a friend of mine about how I went to see, um, mate the third Matrix at the IMAX in Lincoln Center in New York when I was mm-hmm. in college, and yeah. a packed house. It was like opening night, packed house. There were only two people in the entire place who came in costume, and oh boy. Oh, it was really unfortunate. The crowd, they let them have it pretty good. And it yeah. was I, it was like clearly the end of that trend where it was like, if this was Matrix 2, I bet this would have been fine. But oh, yeah. we're at Matrix 3, we're kind of just waiting to see how this all ends. That whole thing has already run its course. Yeah. You're showing up in a black suit yeah. with the tiny sunglasses and it's not going to go in New York and it's not going to go yeah. well. No, it's funny. There was a weird time in the late 90s when nerds in high school kids who normally play magic and are used to getting picked on uh there was a a bunch of movies that sort of celebrated the hero nerds uh like hackers sort of made nerds look cool and uh the matrix is obviously sort of doing that too Mm -hmm. um like if you guys only knew how powerful we are one day the whole world is going to be computers and then we'll be the badasses yeah well they were which is basically the plot of matrix yeah (laughs) But uh, yeah, then they started wearing dark leather trench coats and stuff, and then there was the Columbine shooting, so that was out for a while. Yeah, probably a good move. But uh, yeah, I don't know if the Matrix uh, style is going to start coming back. But it's cool that nerds can be different versions of nerds now. They're actually cool, you know. Like I know friends of mine are sort of goth nerds, and yeah, yeah. I don't know. well, I'm it's canceling I, myself again. What's <laughs> what's uh, what's really interesting to me is how if you look back before basically Iron Man, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, the, before the Iron Man movie came out, there were so few franchises, like new yeah. franchises that people were like super into. Like, mm-hmm. uh, unless people forgot, <clears throat> Avatar was the biggest movie in the world mm-hmm. ever. And then like a year later, everybody forgot about it. Like, yeah. like the I, I feel like nobody talks about Avatar ever, except for the people who put the money into bu- building Avatar Land at Disney, which legitimately is pretty cool. But, but it's not yeah. like Avatar doesn't occupy a place in pop culture and people's minds and hearts the way like the Star Wars does or or Harry Potter or anything. And Avatar, to me, sorry. Well, sorry. and I was just gonna say, and it seems like at a certain point after that, like right around when the MCU started. All everything became franchised, and everything became it became a lot more um, widely accepted to go really hard for the franchise that you like. So mm-hmm. cosplay got a little bit more interesting and out there and more common yeah. and stuff. And it's it's really yeah. interesting because because yeah, you've got people going really hard on the Matrix. You got people going really hard on on Avatar, and like maybe Lord of the Rings is in there somewhere, but it feels like not <laughs> as much as Avatar and the Matrix. And that was yeah. that was like it. Yeah. And now it's literally anything. People go hard on whatever they like. Yeah, that's true. Which is which is cool. I mean, I like the I like yeah. how diverse all of the uh, the interests can be. You could be into anything. Like, I have friends whose kids they have their own style. One kid loves to wear '80s shit. One kid loves '90s shit. One kid loves to mix it up in the '60s. And it's like when we were in high school, you had you know three channels and then some basic cable. So we were all kind of watching the same thing. We all had the same entertainment to pull fashion from, you know? Yeah. So you see all in the eighties. Oh yeah. You got early eighties, which is like kind of dull. Three channels. Did you 
grow up in like 1973? No, I meant like ABC, CBS, the, the major three networks. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, I, I, know what you I can clarify that. That's fair. Um, but yeah, like in the late 80s, it was more like, you know, neon lights and Zach Morris sure, style sure. Saved by the yeah. Bell 80s. And then the 90s was Chokers and then late, you know, whatever. But now, like, I can't tell you what fashion happened 10 years ago like i can't sure. recognize it yeah like all right, skinny jeans i know i don't even know those, those are back in right now because style with the internet has gone all over the place like you know uh etsy and uh reddit and um you know all these apps will suggest clothing for you from all over the planet so like there's there isn't like one kind of style taking over each generation like there used to be now everyone's kind of doing their own thing right. which is cool yeah yeah yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, I think also part of that is we're not exactly in the yeah. demographic anymore. But <laughs> I'm, I remember seeing the Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler, which came out in like '96, and it was like, oh man, remember ten years ago in 1986 sure, when DeLoreans yeah. were cool and yeah. the hair was weird and this and that and CDs. Like, and I remember seeing like, oh my god, it's crazy how much we've come in ten years when it comes to styles and trends. And that's only a 10-year difference. Like, yeah. I don't feel like if they made Wedding Singer now and they were like, remember how crazy 2011 was with this, yes. this, and that? Yeah. Like, I don't know what that would look like. Like, well, we, 2011 uh, looks like now, but different phones. On uh, Rotten Horror Picture Show, we recently did Jennifer's Body, which is a, a horror movie from, I, yeah. I think, like 2009, <laughs> I think. Somewhere somewhere yeah. in the, the mid to late aughts. I can't remember exactly what when. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about... 10 15 years old at this point and uh when we were talking about it i i said to amanda i was like i don't know where this style places because it is a lot of stuff that i recognize from before that time and a lot of stuff that i recognize after that time so i don't i don't think if you showed this to me i could tell you what year it takes place in and it, it, yeah. it, it, it and it's a high school movie so it, it takes it's very much like kids look like kids or at least mm-hmm. the movie version of kids. Um, right. So it's not like they're not trying to be cute with the style or the time frame or anything. And mm-hmm. I was just like, if you, if I did, if I didn't see the year that this was made and you asked me to pick a year, I would say anything from between 2002 to 2015. Mm-hmm. And I would have no idea. I feel that way about the show sex education. Yeah. I uh, think that might be by design on that show though. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what's so interesting about it. Yeah. Is it's uh, like, this could have been made in the eighties or up to now. Yeah. I don't know. They it's, do it. It's it's cool. They do that really well. in it follows as well, mm-hmm. uh, where yeah. it's, everybody seems modern, but there's such a mix of technology that's involved that it's really out of time. So yeah. they, they kind of get like this really kind of ambiguous time frame where it could be, to, it could be today. It could be 20 years ago. You don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I was just thinking about your joke about me eating in my dots alone at a convention. <laughs> that, really? That's hilarious, Clay. I'll tell you why. Because it encompasses my arrogance and my un- being annoyed that I can't eat. And then here I am, like, at the top of the mountain in comics in my fancy car I had built just for me, uh-huh. sadly eating alone outside the convention center because no one will, because people will bother me. Uh-huh. And the car is probably broken. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that says it all right there, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for explaining the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's let's oh, finish man. talking yeah, about you, this you episode got a heart out, so I know. we can get out of here. Um, yep. Do you have anything else you want to say about the episode itself before we go into no. the end here? Nope. Uh, what, would you, uh, what would you want to draw? 
Uh, I don't know, but I don't want to draw <clears throat> live wire. I don't like drawing electricity. I never know what to do. Like, unless a character is being struck where has, like, electrical powers, if they're cast against a black background, mm-hmm. then I can just do white and, like, make so cool little, like, sure, yeah. you know, electric tendrils, like, and then the colors can make it glow. But I hate when they are doing that in broad daylight and you have to draw the containment line of oh, electricity yeah, yeah. and all that. Like, I just don't, I'm not good at it. I don't have the patience for it. But then I see people like Olivier Coipel do it really well. And like, I don't, I'm just, I don't know. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. So yeah, anything with electricity, I'm probably not going to be into. Do, uh, uh, did you feel like you managed to figure it out for plot holes? Cause you had one character that was very elect- electrical based in that one. That, I think that's when I realized how much I hated yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> it's like, why did I give this guy these powers? This is awful. <laughs> That's, anyway, that's pretty funny. I, I kept trying different things, and it's like, does the containment line have to be the same thickness? Right. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I think I looked at Ryan Otley's stuff a lot because he's really good at that. And uh, I just, I don't know. I'd rather spend my calories drawing trees and backgrounds than drawing electrical effects. Like, I don't like drawing magic effects. Yeah. And I'm going to throw electricity in there with that. You um, know, I, 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 uh, I wish that I could draw more superhero stuff because in in my career I've never drawn superheroes professionally. Yeah, I've done it for pinups and stuff, but I've never drawn a comic story with superheroes in it. Hmm. And every time I think about it, I think about how there's so much language that I don't actually know how well I would handle it because I've, I don't really right. do it that much. And like energy blasts, oh, yeah. energy blast is a big one for me where I'm like, Eesh, I. I'd have to do yeah. some like research to figure out because in in your head it's like oh yeah they just shoot shit out of their hands or whatever it's, how hard <laughs> could it be and then yeah. you actually got to sit down and do it and it's like oh yeah there's there's a certain kind of uh, elegance to the way these guys do this that makes it look solid and I had a little mm-hmm. bit of that in Bloody Hell and I I don't love it when I did it I mm-hmm. think I would do it differently if I had to do it again but yeah. yeah it's it's just one of those things where it's like yeah I'd love to do superheroes but I think it would be harder than I think for me cuz yeah. most of my stuff is like just up to this point it's just like people regular people or slightly high yeah. reality not not a ton of uh, magic and capes and stuff Yeah like you have the textures and techniques for historical stuff as long as you can draw horses fire and lightning every now and then like that those are the most sci-fi things you might have to deal right but you know drawing superman shooting laser beams out of his eyes picking up a building landing and getting struck whatever like then a magician appears behind him and does some gobbledygook with his hands i have no idea like i have tree texture speed lines (laughs) thumb prints dry brush i have these tool i don't know which to use in which order to make the magic guy work yeah i don't know what to do with there you know it's so funny like you spend so long Deciding how you're going to draw your like Clay McCormick, McCormick's version of a rock and bricks right, and mud. Right, yeah. You know, got you got them kind of in your little uh, your reference book, but magic, no idea. Yeah, <laughs> even like fi- even in some some figure elements too, because it's like I, the stuff that I've drawn, I've drawn arms like big arms enough where it's like okay, I know I roughly know how I would handle like big muscles. Right. On the arms, but like when I, anytime I draw like Superman and you get, and I get to his like stomach, I'm like, well, do I want to do like a six pack? That feels kind of weird. Do I want to do more yeah. of like a, like a stretched fabric kind of look with like a more implied muscles? Like it's, yeah. it's a, it's a different kind of language than I'm used to. Cause most of the people that I draw, you don't have to see whether or not they do sit ups. Yeah. 
Yeah, like drawing uh, tights, spandex, and how to is it? You know, like back in the six comics up until ten years ago, characters were just basically you drew them as if they were sort of naked, and then you would color it red, right? And boom, now right. now it's Daredevil. Yeah. You didn't really have to think about armor. Like Hollywood and video games really pushed us into thinking about like, well, is he wearing, you know, carbon or is it leather or is it this or is it that? Um, yeah, and like the people that draw Batman just suited up like SWAT team armor. You don't even know if he has muscles at all. To me, that's not my favorite version of Batman. Same. I kind of like yeah. old school. He's just he's so fucking tough. It's just his, his muscles are his armor. Right, you know? right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a way to go. Like I know Lee uh, Bermejo, a friend of mine, loves textures he cannot stop it's it's an obsession and he'll even admit like it drives him crazy because he can't draw like a knuckle on a character without making it wrinkly as fuck so all of his characters are wearing leather (laughs) everywhere and just (laughs) yeah like he just he drives himself crazy because he's just particular about that kind of stuff and that's awesome it's not at all what i do and that's cool (laughs) but uh yeah it's funny how people kind of fall into those categories yeah yeah i think there's a happy i i I tend to find myself leaning more towards the way uh john paulion handled it where it's like you know he does those big we talked about it before he does like the big work glove type fingers like the thick fingers and stuff and you know it's it's a it's a it's a it's a a way of solving that problem that i think feels more natural than if i were to try and draw like a jim lee hand or something right. you know like i think you got to find yeah. what works for you and works for your style which yeah you know may may or may yeah. not help you to get yeah. those jobs because obviously yeah. it hasn't helped me to get those jobs but <laughs> it's funny if, if jim lee was a costume designer he would be going into the latex store and getting shiny colorful this this and that like you could see him as a costume designer like okay this is what you, if John Paul Leone was a costume designer, he would go into a hardware store, plop down oh, a cheap yeah. pair of gloves and a hammer and be like, bam, I'm going to draw this and it's going to look <laughs> fucking awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, for this one, I think I would draw, I, you know, I really like the, the Batgirl and Supergirl dynamic. Um, yeah. I think I would like Perfect. to draw something with the two of them. And, you know, flying around with Batgirl on her back is, is actually pretty yeah, endearing. Yeah, that's a cool. That's a cool image. That that's a fun sequence. I think they do. I think the best part about this episode is is the relationship between those two because they do. Yeah, you know, they both <laughs> kind of have. They don't necessarily have chips on their shoulders, but they're like underestimated enough that they're both trying to kind of yeah step out. Yeah. They have that great scene where they're hanging out in Barbara's apartment and mm-hmm. she, Barbara wishes she could live on a farm and, and Kara yeah. wishes that she could live in the city, that kind of thing. I think it works really That's well. Right. They took that moment. And you, as we say, the season is sort of shy on those those human moments that slow down a bit. And that's definitely a good example of them doing it correctly. Yeah. I th- um, it's funny, too. I couldn't help but feel like, well, how, how come our, our dads don't get along? Superman and Batman always hate each other. Look at how much you and I are clicking. What's, what's the big deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think this episode could have very easily fallen into one of those really kind of empty mid-season mm-hmm. ones we were talking, we've been talking about. But I think they do the work yeah. with the two of them to make it uh, stand out a little bit more than that. And even with, even with Harley and Ivy and, and Livewire, they have a pretty fun dynamic. Yeah. Um, and I, I think like how they, Harley keeps using a sledgehammer. And yes, he keeps yeah. not, it, not, it yeah. doesn't work on anything. Her smashing the ATM <laughs> with the sledgehammer was one of my favorite parts of the episode. I think. But I think they even, I think they even push the Harley and Ivy relationship probably as far into them being mm-hmm. an item as you could at this point in in yeah kids yeah, cartoons. They get pretty close to uh, lesbianics. Yeah, which you know, keep pushing that forward. I think they finally 
got it onto TV in that HBO show after 20, hey. 20 years. So, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, they can do whatever they want in that show. They can swear. Yeah, they can have. They Batman. sure can. But I can't make those jokes in Batman comics. I can't even draw a guy with a gun on a cover anymore because they're so That's afraid wild. of yeah. outrage. Yeah. And I, I look at what they're doing. Like, How come the people were doing this fucking cartoon and getting away with this shit, but I'm not allowed to draw a gun on a cover? Yeah. It was really... I'll, I'll be honest. It was really jarring when I saw like the first clip from that show, and it featured yeah. the Joker making an HPV joke about Harley. I was like, what <laughs> is this show? <laughs> yeah. Well, I who, struggled with that who's first... letting them do this? <laughs> I struggled with the first episode. My wife liked it, so we kept going, and then I started to get into it. Yeah, but, yeah, I was not on board right away. <laughs> yeah, I, I was the same way. I think it, I think it kind of evens out a bit as it goes. But that first episode was a was a bit too much for me. But yeah, it's too much. Like you see, you see, it's not for kids exactly. anymore. It's like yeah, yeah. we fucking get it. Yeah. Calm down, yeah. Jesus. Uh, what would you rate this episode? I don't know. I'm I'm at a three out of five. Um, I don't know. It just uh, it doesn't feel like a Batman story at all. Yeah, I I'm gonna go three as well. I think it's okay. I think it's just shy of being a four. Um, yeah. If it didn't feel so out of place, but I do think it's got a lot of really good stuff in it. Um, yeah. Maybe if they had a little bit more in universe justification, and it didn't feel so much like a backdoor pilot, I think it probably would have right. worked a little bit better for me. But yeah, backdoor pilot. It's a good term. Yeah. Um, so Did you make that up, or is that like a thing that everyone knows about except for me? Uh, I, I think it's a term, a pre-existing term. I, I heard it somewhere. Okay. You got you to gotta roll the windows down in that car. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> so uh, that's going to that's gonna do it for this episode of the Badass Podcast. We only have two episodes of our show left uh, mm-hmm. before we finish Batman the Animated Series as it stands, and then we will have to figure out. Someone asked us if we were going to do the Beware the Batwoman movie. Which uh, I Ooh. I hadn't thought about, but I guess technically it is part of the the thing. Yeah, right? that's that's rough. I've that never so I've actually never seen it, so it might be worth checking it out just to check it out and uh, and do a, I, yeah. something. <clears throat> I remember not liking it. I do like that they brought Roland Daggett back because he hasn't really been a character that they've used yeah. in that universe for a while. But uh, yeah, that was I don't yeah we'll, we'll try it. Maybe I. <laughs> Maybe I'm remembering yeah, I think, correctly. Yeah, I think we're going to do a couple <laughs> things before we jump into Batman Beyond. I think uh, I want to do the Superman episodes, the crossover episodes from the first yep. season of Superman or whatever. And, and so Absolutely. we'll have a few things. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next time with Mad Love and Chemistry. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. And uh, thank you, Sean. Thanks, man. Thanks for... Uh, that was so funny, the way you made fun of me in my car. <laughs> I thought that was perfect. I'm still <laughs> laughing at it, man. <laughs> Well, like, as honestly, long as you as, liked it, <laughs> I, I go on these tirades and I, I talk fast and I step on laser beams. Like I said, I, I very am a lot. Of, I, I love being made fun of. I know I deserve it, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time.